Welcome to On Demand. We have been in a study about lying, and it's a story that paints a picture that really helps you see how sometimes families can lie to themselves, how we can fall into romantic lies, and today, imaginary lies. That's right. You can believe stuff that isn't true. Samson's going to take us on a journey today to help us understand how you fall in that trap, and then later on, we're going to show you how to get out of it. So stay with us today right here on Demand. It's good for you to put the Word of God in you right where you are when you want to. That's what On Demand's all about. So stay right there and be blessed with today's message, Imaginary Lies. Let me take you on a journey now that I think is really important. We'll talk about something that has made a difference in a lot of people's lives. It's called telling the truth. This is a story about a man named Samson, the book of Judges, that really comes alive when you look at how this guy starts out with a good family, a family that's truthful, that's balanced, that's incredible and devoted to him. But then he develops these romantic habits that sets his life on a, on a different track. And that's often the case. I've seen a lot of people go off the track simply because of who they fall in love with. And thirdly, what's interesting is in our study today, he becomes this imaginary guy. Now, we live in a culture of imagination these days where the truth is really hard to find. And that's what kind of drove me to teach this. Because I'm concerned that we don't know what truth is, that somehow we are confused. There's a verse I want to read to you. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter, 2 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 9. And it talks about the last days. If you are a, study, a student of eschatology, big word, right? Eschatology. <laughs> this means the study of last things. There, there is this conversation that Paul has about what will take place in the last days. And there is this conversation about uh, the, something called the beast. You ever heard of that, right? Okay. Or this, this dictator, and there'll be one rule, one, one man ruling the world and all that. And so in this conversation that Paul gives in 2 Thessalonians chapter 9, he just, chapter 2, I'm sorry, I get this right here, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, he says something that's pretty profound. I'm going to read it for you. Listen to what he says. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. Pause there. This is a, a prophecy about a lawless one. That, and, and again, people have a lot of different views about this, but this is Paul's conversation. And he says, when the lawless one comes, listen to what he says in verse 10 about some of the things that will happen. Verse 10, and all the ways... That wickedness deceives those who are perishing. He says they perish because they refuse to, to love the truth and so be saved. Now I want to pause there and say this. Paul said in the last days. Now, this is not exactly those days, by the way. There's a lot to be fulfilled in Scripture for this to happen. But part of the signs of the last days will be this disregard for the truth. That's what I want you to see. And again, I don't believe that the beast is here. I don't believe that there's one world government coming tomorrow. I don't think that. I think that's down the road. But I think there's a stage being set. And if you follow me along here in verse 11, for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. Now, what happens because they don't want the truth is God lets them believe a lie. And it goes on to say in verse 12, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delights in wickedness. Now, there is this one simple truth in that, in those verses that I want you to think about. People don't like the truth 
and they fight the truth, so they end up believing delusional lies. And one of the hard things to admit is that you can be a God-fearing, Christian, good person, whatever, and delusional. You can be a person who believes stuff that isn't true. And it's, it's, I'm watching this blend of delusional conversation between politics and now medicine and now vaccines and all these things are blended together and people don't know what to do. They're, they're almost confused because they, they, there's, this, there's this lack of clarity about what is true. And I think that's really sad. We should value truth. The Bible said, John 8, 32, you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So I'm not, I'm not going to get into trying to sort all that out today with you. But I just want to say my concern is that we are afraid of truth. And, you know, if this is a, a black sh- shirt, then let's not call it blue. I mean, there's some things that are obviously true. And the real prayer should be, Lord, let me not get caught up in politics. Let me not get caught up in religious uh, fervor. Let me not get caught up in things where I just can't say, you know, I'm a black man. And that's just the truth. There are some things that are just true. Everything is not, not gray and on the border. But in the mind of this guy, he's delusional. In the mind of Samson, he can't see the difference between his lifestyle and his walk with God. He's gotten to be delusional. There are a lot of people who are church people, pastors. Literally, they're delusional. I mean, they really don't see that they love lies more than they love truth. If you're not living right, you're not living right. Just admit it. You're not living right. And I always said, you're not going to ever catch me doing anything. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you. If I decide to be crazy, I'll just tell you. Today, I've decided to be crazy. So I'm just going to lay it on the line. I, I, there's something about being honest with yourself. Some of the best moments of prayer I have with God is when I tell the truth. Temple, you're, you're out of control. Temple, your attitude is bad today. You know, you, you're, you're out of shape, dude. You're right. Come on, man. You're not, you're not sleeping enough. It's that moment when you look at yourself and you say, you know, you really are getting a little bit tart, man. In that moment, and this is, this is what's missing in this guy's life. People can't talk to him. And if you study his life, you see it. His parents try to talk to him. They try to talk to him. Last time we were together, why are you marrying this Philistine woman? Why are you going through all this? He goes to this, you know, it, it drags his family into this horrible mess and ends up in this horrible situation, strife and tension, because he decided to marry this Philistine woman that they said was out of covenant with God. They call her uncircumcised. She was just not, she wasn't, she wasn't a God-fearing person. None of these people were. And he, so they asked him, can't you find somebody that like, loves God? And he said, no, I saw her, I want her, that's it. And, and that's part sometimes of being delusional. You've watched too many romantic movies, you've got too many things in your head that you need to sort through, and that's where Samson is, out of control. So anyway, and the last time we were together, Samson gets married. He goes to the wedding feast. When he gets to the wedding feast, the guys say to him, okay, he has 30 guys that he don't, doesn't really know. These are guys that were kind of drafted to be his groomsmen because he was in a foreign country, right, a foreign land. And, uh, and so they say, well, we'll give you these 30 guys. And so he, 30 guys come to hang out with him for his wedding, which is a seven-day process. He gets there, and they start having these conversations. And he said, hey, I got a riddle for you. And if you guess the riddle, you get this. And if you lose the riddle, I get that. Let's have a bet. The guys go along with it. They can't figure out the riddle. They go to his, his soon-to-be wife and say, listen, uh, we can't figure out this riddle. 
And this guy has given, given us this bet and we're going to lose some clothes and lose some stuff. And so we're going to kill you and your daddy if uh, <laughs> if you don't find out what the riddle is. So she goes to Samson and seven days she starts crying. Samson, please tell me the riddle. Well, when he tells her the riddle, reluctantly, she goes and tells the guys. So on the seventh day, the final day of the wedding, when they are about to, quote, finalize the wedding and be officially married, the guys tell Samson the riddle that Samson says you wouldn't have guessed if my wife or soon-to-be wife didn't tell you. He storms out, chapter 15 of Judges, verse 2, he storms out and they don't see him anymore. He leaves. So he never really got officially married married, if you can understand. And so the father of the girl says, well, he left, so he gives her to one of the 30 guys. And so that's what happened. Now, but Samson somehow has not remembered any of that. And I want to take you on a journey with me. I want to show you. This is amazing, people. Look at what happens. This is Samson, chapter 15, verse 1. Later on, at that time of wheat harvest, Samson took a, a young goat and went to visit his wife. Wait a minute. Samson took a young goat and he went to visit his wife. Let's think about that. I thought you stormed off, Samson. Let's keep reading. Uh, <laughs> later on that time of wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and he went to visit his wife. He said, this is Samson, I'm going to my wife's room. Now think about that. I'm going to my wife's room. He's feeling kind of romantic right about now. He said, I'm going to the room. Ah, my wife. <laughs> Boy, he's a trip. But her father would not let him go in. He comes to the house. They haven't seen him since he stormed off mad now. They haven't seen him. So he comes to the house and he knocks on the door. I'll come see my wife. Now, you just <laughs> his father said, verse 2, of Judges 15, I was not sure you hated her. I, I thought you hated her, man. I thought since you told the riddle and you stormed off, I thought you hated her. So I gave her to one of the 30 guys, your companion. You know, the guys, I gave her to one of those guys. Uh, uh, so it, now here's the deal, Samson. Isn't her, your, her younger sister, uh, look, more attractive? Got another one for you? Okay, you don't have to worry about her. She's already, I gave her away, man. It's gone. Okay. Uh, you're imagining that you're married because you left. Remember, you left. Take the younger one. Now, you just want to say, boy, this is a messed up culture. You know, you can see the old, the, the woman, wait a minute. You, how are you giving me away? Okay. <laughs> so this is, this is chaotic and embarrassing. And that's the first thing I want you to notice. These are really the results of, of of what I call a lying imagination. You will oftentimes run into embarrassment. Standing at the door, thinking you're married, and you're wrong. And it's only because you're delusional. Sometimes it's not until you stand before the judge and he says to you, I hereby sentence you, then you go, oh boy, now you're clear. Or you face bankruptcy because you overspent. It's in that moment. Or you see him carrying off your car, re re repossessing it. 
in those delusional moments, in those moments of embarrassment, sometimes you come, you come to see yourself. Now, Samson was interesting. His response was interesting because some people, when they are embarrassed, some people, when they face their, their, you know, their delusional moments, they go, oh, man, I, you're right. I, I, I did storm out. I, you know, I didn't I didn't stay for the final, you know, like full day of the wedding. I left and got wrapped up with these 30 guys and our bet and left her standing at the altar. So I understand. I, I, but that's not Samson. Look with me at verse three. Watch what his imagination leads to. It leads now to damage. Verse three. Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the, with the Philistines. This notice is not, I have a right to get them now. Because they, now this to understand, this one guy gave his wife away. But now he's going to go attack all the Philistines. Notice his thinking. Look at verse, verse three. I will, I will really harm them. I'm, I'm going to harm them. Not just the guy. I'm going to harm them. Verse four. So he went and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. That's a bad man. Now, I've seen foxes. They run through my yard uh, and they're, you know, they're feisty. I mean, they'll bite you. They're like, you know, like mad dogs in terms of ah, <laughs> they make noise, man. They growl. They do. You got how did he catch five, 300 of them, tied them tail to tail. That's deep. Okay, so he's got 300 of them, and then he fastened the torch to every pair of tails. In the torches, he let the foxes loose into the standing grain of the Philistines, and he burned up the, the stocks, uh, shocks, and standing grain together with the vineyards and the olive groves. Uh, he burned it all down. So he went after their finances. What this does is it leads to him creating enemies now. So it's escalating. Look at verse 6. When the Philistines asked who did this, they said, Samson, uh, the Tenemite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Okay, this is horrible. So now the Philistines go and kill her and her father. Wow. This is bad stuff. Okay, watch what happens. So then, verse 7, Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. So he attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the Rock of Edom. So what he does is he says, since you killed my wife, or the one that was supposed to be my wife and her dad, now I'm going to kill more of you, and it's just ugly. Verse 9, the Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. Verse 10, the people of Judah asked, why have you come to fight us? We've come to take Samson, they answered, to do to him as he did to us. So watch this cycle of strife. And it all starts with being delusional. A lot of things that happen in families, a lot of fighting, a lot of, a lot, it's, it's because we're not thinking straight. And it leads to an amazing moment. An amazing moment of violence and difficulty, all because of not a person not thinking straight. And at the root of it is romance. At the root of it is some love relationship. At the root of it is a broken heart. Family dysfunction is at the root of this. And this was a guy who came from a good family. Now, of course, 
if you can just for a moment step up in the satellite with me. God is allowing all this to happen to punish the Philistines because the Philistines have been abusing Israel. So there is a divine purpose that's at work. And sometimes what God will do is allow things to happen because he says, you know, I, I'm, I'm determined to punish these Philistines. And so that's what Samson is. So there are two separate issues. There is a divine allowance that's happening. Say it again, a divine allowance. And there's also a practical lesson about life. The, the Pharisees want vengeance. But watch, watch, my friend, how this guy is just lost. God allows it because there's a divine allowance. Because the Philistines had, had, had abused Israel, killed thousands of them. And so he allows this man to punish them. But there again, two lessons. Look at verse 11. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom and said to Samson. Now, what's important is, do you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? So 3,000 Israelis now who are, who are Samson's people go and find him and say, now, you know that the Philistines are our rulers and you, sir, are causing us trouble. Now, what's amazing is it's in 3,000 people to get one guy. Well, <laughs> please watch this now. Why have you done this to us? Their, their response. Now, I want you to see something that's a pattern in Samson's life. Samson acts out and his family suffers and the people around him suffer. Samson's the kind of guy who does things that brings all kinds of trouble to the people that he loves. I have seen this over and over again. Are you the kind of person that brings trouble to the people that love you? Watch what happens. He answered and said uh, in, verse, um, in verse 11, I merely did to them what they did to me. I mean, they killed my wife. They, killed, they, they gave my wife away. The, the, the woman's gonna be, he, I mean, I, they deserve this. That's why I burned down their crops. Verse 12. They said to him, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Now, now I want you to understand, there's in 3,000 people in <laughs> one guy. So, so, so Samson says, I'll tell you what. I'll go with you, all right? Swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. If you guys will just tie me up and deliver me to them, that's fine. Now watch what happens, verse 13. He agreed, and they answered, verse 13, we will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they, they, they bound him with two, two new ropes and led him up from the rock. And he approached Lehi. The Philistines came down uh, uh, toward him, shouting. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. So time Samson sees them, the ropes just fall off his hands. Watch what happens. Verse 15, finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Wow. That's why they sent 3,000 to get him. Verse 16, then Samson said, with the donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys of them. With the donkey's jawbone, I've killed a thousand men. Now he's rhyming, right? Verse 17. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone. I, I just think it's interesting. This is a guy 
who is living a life that's far less than God ever desired him to live, all because of a delusional, romantic-filled lostness he carried. And he's going to go through his life from one place to the next place to the next place. He's going to go through his life fighting and struggling. Here's a question. Is that what you're doing? Is there, is there, you know, I see, I see a lot of Samsons in the world. I see a lot of circumstances in families that are similar to this. You know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about violence in our community and violence in our world. At the root of it, many times, is because we haven't faced the truth. The truth about where we are. Why are you so angry? Why are you so frustrated? Why are you so, you know, forget the fact that there is, again, at the divine allowance, there is, there is there's something that happens in societies where people disobey God. There are certain promises, certain things that are going to happen. If you have a family of 50 people and those 50 people make a decision to disobey God, to live any way they want, I promise you within that context, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be fighting. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be poverty. There's a lot that's going to happen that didn't have to happen because that group made a decision. The Philistines made a decision. The Israelis made a decision. Samson made a decision. And what God does is he allows it to happen. He allows it to happen. And a lot of things he allows punishes both sides. There's three different punishments happening here. Punishment in Samson's life for his rebellion and his compromising spirit. The, the, the Philistines are being punished. And believe it or not, even the Israelis are being punished. And all this is tied to all three not saying the truth. Everybody's not focusing on the truth. The only reason that Israel is in bondage to the Philistines is because they're rebellion. The only reason that Samson is, is going through this is because of his rebellion against God. And the only reason the Philistines are going through it is because of their rebellion. Notice there's a linkage. Sometimes I think what's hard for us is to say, okay, my, I know there's a lot of bad stuff happening. But how much of this is because we as a family act like Samson? We run from romantic <laughs> delusional relationship one after another, from one to another. Are we, are we really suffering something because of a choice we made? I, I look at this and I see God's divine allowance. Adam and Eve is an example of it. God allowed them to eat the fruit. God allowed, God's not going to stop you. God's not going to stop us from destroying our planet. God's not going to stop us. If we want to, if we want to, we'll, we can do it. It's up to us to decide. In this moment, Samson is, is making a decision. He's made decisions. And you're going to see him make it over and over again. And for him, it's romantic. Delilah will show up next. It's not just this one situation. This is the beginning of a moment in his life. A moment where he, he proves that he can't stop seeing through a delusional or a lie lens. So what would have been good for Samson? The truth. What would have been good for the Philistines? The truth. What would have been good for Israel? The truth. How, how good are you at looking at the truth? How good are you at looking at your life and saying, why am I in all this strife all the time? Why is it like this all the time? Let me just make a bold statement. You want to make this about the police sometimes. Sometimes not. 
It's not about law enforcement. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. You can make this about politics, and sometimes it's not about who's in office. It's not about that. Sometimes the real issue is our corporate willingness to tell the truth, our family's willingness to tell the truth, our, our, our nation's willingness to tell the truth. And because there's not that willingness, everything kind of goes all over the place. And so we, we end up blaming each other and coming up with these highfalutin solutions when the real issue is every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. It's when everybody bows before God. It's when everybody says I'm wrong. It's when everybody admits they're wrong. That's when we find deliverance. But, but that's not going to happen here. And so there's a divine allowance. God says, well, if you don't want, back to the first Thessalonians, I'll let you believe a lie and I'll, I'll just let you, I'll let you go the way you want. That is the greatest gift God ever gave us. The greatest gift is you get to choose. You get to decide what kind of life you want, what kind of person you want to be. You get to decide. And a lot of people decided I'm going to be hypocritical, I'm going to be a phony, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to be honest. That, that, that's the decision that you've made, and you're going to stick with that decision. You're going to stick with it. After all this happened to Samson, it's interesting, in verse 18, it says, he got very thirsty, cried out to the Lord, <laughs> you've given your servant this great victory, must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God opened up the hollow place in, in Lehi and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called El Hakrar and it's still there today. And so here's the guy who's about to collapse. God gives him water and you think, well, OK, now maybe after that encounter with God, he prays, God gives him water and he's that he'd be different. But. That doesn't change him either. You know what I've learned? God can give you a new husband and you're still the same. God can give you a new job and you're still the same. God can give you all the, he can, he can rehydrate you in your life and he can do all kinds of things for you. But if you're not careful, you migrate back to be the same person. This was a guy who just didn't get it. He was, he hurt his family unfairly. He had uh, made few <laughs> foolish romantic choices. He uh, was violent. He was a guy who ended up long term with a painful consequence. All because Samson wouldn't face the truth. I look at our culture. I look at my 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 passionate brothers in Christ sometimes. And I want to say, man, are we afraid of the truth? And I'm not, I'm not just talking about a political truth or a political party or a political position. I'm not talking about a social standing. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking about being honest and saying, God, help me, help me face truth and help me not be delusional. Now, I must say, in my, if I'm honest, there have been moments when I've been delusional. I've been saved, sanctified, filled with the spirit, church going, Bible toting, theologically trained and delusional. There have been times when it was really hard for me to look at the truth and say, this is the truth. The truth. And it's hard. You might say, why? Because it's embarrassing. It's hard to say you're wrong. It's hard to say you're out of order. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's, I mean, who wants to be wrong? But here's the problem. 
There's a consequence when you don't. The consequences of your choices are real. And in chapter 16, we're going to see those consequences. We're going to see what happens when a person ignores it. The Philistines are going to have a consequence and Samson is going to have a consequence. And eventually Israel will. All three people in this story will have consequences. And it's all because they're not willing to face the truth. What truth will you not face? What truth are you running from today? I want to pray for you today. Because I believe if you can hear the truth today, you can avoid a consequence tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those today who've heard this message. I pray you give them peace. I pray you give them clarity. I pray the Holy Spirit would bring healing to their minds and their hearts. And I pray, God, that as we go to the last part of this sermon series and we talk about consequences next week, that your hand would be upon us, that we would not be afraid to hear the truth, that our hearts would be open. We watched this guy, Samson, live in this delusional place, wrapped around this idea that he's somehow married and he's not, wrapped around some idea that this romantic encounter will change his life, wrapped around the idea that vengeance is going to fix everything. Lord, we want to learn from his life today and we want to change. Help us to settle in our hearts and our minds and help us, Lord God, to trust you. Let us repent before it's too late, before our eyes are gouged out, before we're put into slavery, before something bad happens. Help us to hear you. There's a consequence when we don't hear you. Help us to hear you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Lord, I pray for those who've heard this message. And I pray for those, Lord God, who have, who have never given their lives to Jesus. May this be the moment that they do. May this be the moment they say, Pastor, before a consequence comes, I want to surrender my life to God. Before a consequence comes, I want to change. And so, God, I thank you in advance for stirring them to respond today. And may their lives be changed forever. In Jesus' name. Well, I pray this message spoke to you today and inspired you to look at yourself and say, am I following an imaginary lie? Have I allowed my romantic life to get out of sync and out of whack? And what has it done to me? And what has it done to my family? Did it cause you to lose something that you can't get back? If so, let me pray for you today that God will give you grace and I believe bring healing to your life. Let's pray. Father, give strength to those today who've gone through something they'd say they brought on themselves. They believe something that wasn't true, healing to their hearts and blessing to their future. We believe the end of Samson doesn't have to be the end of all of us. What he went through, we don't have to go through. We can learn from his life. And that's why it was written for our admonition, Paul said, that we may grow and learn from it. So we give you all the praise in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for being with us on demand. I hope it helped you today. Come back next time on demand's got more for you. See you next time. Bye bye.